This is Before the Light Goes Out with Catherine Williams. Hello, welcome to episode two where my special guest is Tom McRae. He is a Mercury Prize nominated Q Awards, Brit Awards songwriter. He had his first album out in 2000 and he has made how many albums to date, Tom? Oh, I think I'm. I think I'm working on uh, nine and ten simultaneously. So, so I think eight studio. I don't know, Kath. I don't know. Eight, nine, ten, twelve. Who cares? <laughs> right. Okay. So he's done um, eight, nine, ten studio albums and been lauded for his beautiful lyrics, questioning the universe, and works a lot in Paris. I'd like to welcome Tom McRae. Hello. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. So, my first question to you is, how did you sleep last night? Not great, but um, I don't sleep great anyway. I never have. Um, But given that the general background of my sleep history and sleep ability is not good... Last night wasn't so bad because it it broke into two chunks, which it often does. So around about three or four, I woke up in the way that I always do. And in the old days, I used to panic and go, oh, I'm not going to get to sleep, and I would lie awake for ages. <laughs> but last night, I got up, I did a few bits and pieces, I read a bit, came down to the studio, and went back to bed an hour later, and then and then I got another three hours sleep. So I kind of, I didn't panic. It was okay. I got two chunks, and uh, and I feel I feel relatively good, yeah. So rather than like a three meal a day sort of sleeper, you're more a, a grazer. I'm a snacker. Uh, yeah, I'm a, if, a snacker. If I, if I, I'll never pass Sleep up an opportunity snacker. to nap, especially at 52. But um, I, no, I think I've always, I've always sort of not slept well at night. So rather than just get use that as a way to sort of get sort of overexhausted or overtired, I've made life choices that mean I can fall asleep whenever I want to. And, you know, half the time I'm just doing what my audience do at shows, just having a nap on stage while they're napping watching me. Oh, don't be silly. I've I've been to your gigs and I find them mesmerising. It was the best sleep you ever had, wasn't it? <laughs> so where are you sleeping tonight? Where am I sleeping? Well, I'll be, I, I, I sleep in... Well, i let you into the secrets of the McRae household, but... Uh, my wife and I, the lovely Amy, we um, we for years because we, uh, I'm not a great sleeper. Uh, we have separate rooms, so I sleep in this tiny little sort of uh, ship's boy's cabin room, really, and uh, that means I can wake up in the middle of the night, thrash around, do whatever, and not uh, and not disturb her. So I will be sleeping in my my usual little kind of cabin room, which you'll be familiar with. Not that room necessarily. That's going a bit too far, but but it's like a bunk bed on a tour bus. <laughs> So and that's that's oh. where I get my best sleep ever in the world is on a bunk bed on a tour bus, which is narrow, low ceiling. You're rattling around, and for me, that's that's the best sleep. So I've tried to sort of echo that with my bedroom choice. <laughs> so well, this leads me on to the next question: Where's the strangest place you've slept? Is it in tour buses? I find them unnerving. I was talking with Michelle on the last podcast about tour bus sleeping. Yeah, tell me the strangest place you've ever slept. Are you are you worried about the suicide bunk? Are you are you are you up the back? <laughs> just in case you go under a low bridge i'm all for the suicide bunk i kind of i'll take the front because if we're going to go i want to go first no i i i, I, I love tour buses i love i love sleeping on the bunk but anyway get, get away from that what's the weirdest place i don't know i kind of i'm i'm 
I don't sleep where you're supposed to sleep. So if someone says, oh, oh, there's a bed, go and take, you know, 20 minutes. Now, I won't, I won't be able to sleep there. But if, if, I'm, if I'm literally, if I'm standing in a queue at the post office or somewhere, I can lock my legs. I'm like a bird. I can lock my legs, <laughs> grip, the, get, grip the twig, and I can literally have sort of standing five minutes nap or uh, I do what horses do. It's, um, I'm not even kidding. I can just zone out and go into that, that sort of weird sort of sleep space. So, so I mean, that can happen anywhere. I don't know which the most weird is. Things like planes, trains, they're all normal places for me to fall asleep, really. I do, you know, if I'm driving, I'll pull over and I'll have a nap and a lay-by and I'll, I'll take the standard, don't stay in this parking lot for more than two hours, otherwise you'll be fined, and I'll go, no, I'll be fine, I'll just have ten minutes, and I'll wake up six hours later, you know, with a ticket on the window. <laughs> but I've done that before. Well, my next question was, can you sleep anywhere? And so, basically... Yes, you can. You sleep in a tree. I, I give me, yeah, good. I honestly I give me the, the the more uncomfortable it is, the more I'll find it a challenge. It's just you know when someone when something's literally made easy for you or is the thing. I guess this is probably part of my disturbed personality anyway. But if someone says this is the thing you're supposed to do in the place you're supposed to do it, I won't want to be there. Like a recording studio, like bring it round to that. I hate I hate working in places you're supposed to work, you know, or sleeping in places you're supposed to sleep. Just you know, give me. Give me an armchair and, and or a you know a bus shelter or something. So sleeping in a bed is just doing what you're told to do. Well, and essentially, that's why you yeah, won't do it. I think so. <laughs> you're you're such a good guest that you've already preempted a load of my questions. Like, can you sleep anywhere? My next one was, um, do you prefer sleeping alone or with someone? You've let me into the McRae household. You're better sleeping separately. Then would Amy stand in the post office queue with you? lock her legs <laughs> and have a little snooze with you yeah probably i mean you know she's uh, she's she's uh, i could i could put her in my pocket she could sleep in my pocket while i'm sleeping but um uh, <laughs> well do i like i like sharing bedtime i guess with all that connotes but i think i think the sort of classic oh I'll snuggle up to someone and we'll we'll envelop each other in our arms and nine hours later we'll wake from this Hollywood style sleep and the makeup will be perfect and the breath won't smell I can't do any of that because I just you know after f- literally three minutes of lying in a bed even with Amy I will just like I, I can't, I can't. I'm restless I, I, I'm so restless I can't you know I can't I'm like a little toddler I can't go down from a nap so the the spoon cuddle or space that was my next question is definitely space for you. Yes, you for sure. Space. Unless we're in space, is that what you mean? Am I, am I like floating <laughs> in zero g? I mean, no, that would be good. Well, then you'll want to be on the earth. Yeah, sure. <laughs> because they're telling you to be in space, I guess. <laughs> well, that's just me. I'm contrary. Or am I? <laughs> Do you write and work better in the day or the night time? I know as fellow songwriter and when there was times to go on tour, our sort of working time is more geared towards the evening. Where do you work better? That's a good question. Um, I like process questions, even if they <laughs> they bore everyone else, I like them. I kind of, I, I've, I've learnt to divide my day really is the answer to that, is that I try and match my energy patterns with the sort of music work that I do. So I've found, for instance, I'm quite good in the morning at just trying to seek out inspiration and spitball ideas out of nothing, just just coming out of that sort of dream space, getting up, going straight to the to the studio, and just seeing what's lingering in the universe, sort of, and, and what I can catch. And that, that's sort of when I try and, or when I find that I write most of the beginning bits of songs. And then things like lyrics, I can't do till late night and after dark, and those, that sounds 
so I guess weird and, and a bit hippie. But but Bob Dylan said he he couldn't write lyrics during the day. And I, I've kind of, I think in order to write lyrics that I believe, I need to feel quite safe in the space that I'm doing. And that's a mental space. So in the daylight, everything's so clinical and visible. And I like to be somewhere a little bit dark, a little bit enclosed, away from everywhere else, so that I can sort of be vulnerable with myself. Because unless you can be vulnerable, the lyrics sort of come out to be heard rather than to be sung and said. And, and that's a, a distinction in my working day. So lyrics at night, idea generation in the morning, and then I'll do sort of real donkey work in the afternoon when actually half of my brain goes to sleep so if I'm string arranging or if I'm doing some soundtrack work for someone else I'm sorry if you've paid for that soundtrack work I'll do it when I'm sleeping <laughs> but um, I, I just I kind of do the stuff that is the inputting of data sort of work in the afternoon so I have sort of three chunks of the day really does that make sense? Yeah, it's great. I don't have any of those routines, um, but I wish I did. Sounds brilliant. Well, you've, you've got oh. responsibilities as well. My, my, my adherence to some notion of routine comes to the fact that, that I'm given half a chance, I'll just do fuck all. You know, so really, you know, if if, if someone said to me, you, you really don't have to do this anymore, I'd be like, oh, great, OK, I'll just, I'll just, do, I'll just do nothing. So I have to sort of bully myself into, into work, really. I sat on the bed doing some emails and then the cat sat on my knee and I just couldn't, I just didn't have the heart to move her today. So I had a much more rushed job of getting all the washing, doing cleaning the house and stuff in order to speak to you. But yes, I, I like lying on my bed when it's not sleep time. Do you ever do that? I do. Um, I, I read quite a lot and I, I sort of try and build in reading chunk times of the day because my brain flies off and then you need to sort of anchor it by giving it words to chew on. So I, I read in my little cabin room and I sort of... I'm, I'm quite good at lighting, if I'm honest. I don't have many sort of skills that are transferable um, in the world. But if someone wants to get me to consult how to light a room, I'm really good at lighting. So my, my bedroom <laughs> has got great sort of lighting, antique lighting, really soft but with directionable reading lights so I can sit there and, and make it all cosy, get a stack of books, open a book and start reading, probably be asleep in about five seconds. But I do, I try and build in some reading time, yeah. Well, we have a neighbour across the road. She she practices on her harp and her piano, but she always has the window, the curtains open <laughs> and the top light on. Yeah. Neil and I are very scathing about her. We always say, oh, she's a top lighter. <laughs> and then <laughs> I've, I've realised that the routine of going to bed in our house is me spending about 20 minutes switching off way too many lamps and whenever I go to a department store the first thing I'm looking at is a lamp so I would agree with you on the lighting well can I lighting's everything can I can I point you in the direction if you haven't been there already of remote control switches I don't mean Google Home Nest all this Wi-Fi non I don't understand any of that I'm talking about your bog standard from Argos remote plugs that you could put in any socket put any lamp in any of those plugs and have yourself a little remote control so I can I can be sitting there watching TV and at any one moment I can control all the lights around me in the in the whole space. I can have I can have different moods. I can have I can bring it down to sexy time light. I can make it brighter <laughs> if I if I kind of you know I'm trying to see how terrible I look in my clothes choices for the day. So yeah, remote control and also after a certain age I can't bend down and turn lamps off. I can't reach behind <laughs> things. I'll pull a muscle if I have to bend beyond sort of a certain degree. So remote controls is the way to go, Kat. And just in Imagining you as Ron Burgundy um, with a, with a pipe turning the lights. But you know, it's mood. The thing is, it's mood. 
because I, I used to used to drive me crazy when I lived in London. I lived in London for 25 years, and I used to get the 38 bus from Hackney. Started in Clapton, and I'd go into town, going to Soho on the 38. And there was a point where the old Routemaster bus changed the light bulbs, which were the old filament light bulbs, which were soft and warm and slightly yellow. And and it felt like you were putting on makeup in a dressing room. It was like a glamorous theatre star's dressing room mirror with all the light bulbs around it and the mood on the top of the bus was chilled everyone was happy and then they put in the strip lighting and it just got violent and I thought that's you know they've made a fundamental error here lighting is crucial <laughs> to how you want yeah. society to be it's like Oscar Wilde said about America it's a violent society because the wallpaper's ugly now I think we would have a much more <laughs> sort of considerate society if we got the lighting right just dial it down a bit dial it down people you don't, want to, you don't go into a restaurant because <laughs> the food's good you go in because you're going to look good in the dim light you know, that's what I want. That's all I want. <laughs> the candlelight, yeah. We need candles on buses. We do, we do. I do agree with you. I mean, one of my biggest bugbears is um, dressing rooms that don't have a lamp and you need uh, to have a sleep just before your gig and the only light that's there is a big fluorescent one. I always find that difficult. Yeah, we're not big enough stars or diva enough to demand that there is a lamp in the dressing room and if you do, it wouldn't be there. But do you, I don't know, do you remember I gave you a little set of lights? Once years ago, and 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 I always carry them with me now for either hotel rooms or backstage. Is you can just set out this little string of lights, battery power, turn it on, turn off all the other lights. And it's quite important for me. I don't know about you, but before you go on stage, just to have that really quiet focus time. So I literally, don't want to speak to anyone else. But I like it quite dim. So when I walk out on stage, it's not a sudden change from the dark stage to whatever. And you don't get that. So you got, have you got those lights I gave you? Have you? Did you throw them away? I was. No, no, I was going to mention them, actually. I was going to say that they're in my in my guitar case in the top bit where the head is. But you got there first. <laughs> <laughs> you see, these are crucial facts. People want to know this stuff. Yeah, well, you, you were always doing lovely things to me. And, and I do love the family, the musical family that we have, how we can all look after each other and understand each other's jobs. We are lucky. I just, I, I think I agree with that. I mean, I've bitched and moaned and complained my whole life, as you know, and still do to you. But... <laughs> <laughs> but it's important that you have people that you can do that too, who hear you for what you're saying, which is you're not really complaining about anything important. You just want to maybe have a little bit of a moan about something or or have someone who, who will just completely get it when sometimes 99% of anything I might complain about would be a luxury problem. And so it is great. We are lucky. And I think after 20 odd years for the pair of us that, you know, there's that little gang that we all know. I don't have masses of friends, but the friends I do have are really crucial, especially over the last two years years of keeping me sane and grounded I don't know about you through lockdown and through making I mean you make music on your own anyway you're not in a band and I think for people like us who who work alone you sort of often need that little panel of friends in your head who even if you're they're not there all the time or at the end of a phone all the time they're sort of circling you so that you know you're always on the right track really yeah I couldn't agree more and you need someone who knows what a no lift load out <laughs> Um, <laughs> yes. and what, what a pain in the ass that yes. is so I'll move on to another question which you've kind of answered quiet or noise when you talk about your sort of setting a scene with your lamps under my quiet or noise question I've got book, chat, music, radio or podcast I mean I can't listen to music to go to sleep and I nearly always listen to radio for comedies or a podcast and I know that we have some of those things in common because we're both huge fans of John Finnamore. Um, <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah I, 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 if it's quiet time if I want to if I want to shut the brain down 
or at least slow it down. But like I say, not sort of feel that I'm telling myself to go to sleep. I need, you, you, podcasts are great because they occupy that higher function. So that little bit of your brain flicks on to listen to that. So the rest of the subconscious brain can just sort of drift off. And, you know, it won't be in our time with Melvin Bragg. I mean, God love him. Those shows are great. But I don't want, I'm not trying to teach myself something while I fall asleep. I like things that just, it's a comfort. It's a tone of voice. It's a subject matter. But more than that, it's something safe. So I, I've got, I'm like, I, this is so embarrassing. I will find a podcast or an audiobook and I will listen to that exact same podcast or audiobook to go to sleep for literally years at a time. And I'll, <laughs> I'll find the right chapter where it goes, oh, I like the way this begins. Oh, yeah, I know there's no shouty bits in this. and he, no, no funny voices, no loud explosions. Can't listen to Agatha Christie or anything like that at night. It's all got to be quiet. And every night will be exactly the same. I'm like a toddler who reaches for the same book and says, can you read me the same but we've had this for the last three years. That's what I'm like. I go, I just, I know, but that's, I know where I am then. I'm going to fall asleep with Oliver Stone telling me about how he made the movie Platoon. And I only want that. I don't want anything else. And it's been that for about a year and a half now. Is that weird? <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's not weird because when we were on the big trip with the kids in the van, the only thing that I had was two series of cabin pressure. And we... We must have, as a family, we went round the whole of Europe for six weeks and that was the only thing that could get Ted off to sleep. We must have heard Cabin Pressure. Each episode we must have heard about 50 times. And Which is still not enough because it's Cabin Pressure and it's great. But Well, it, uh, when you find the genius of something when repetition doesn't diminish it in any way. Wow, um, let me just make so a note of that. That was beautiful, eloquent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> Make a note of that. Yeah, but it's not evening, Tom, so you can't write any lyrics right now. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, I discovered this on tour buses again. I was on tour and I was a massive fan of the West Wing. And then I don't know if you remember that turning point when you used to carry like a, a, a Walkman and then a Discman and then your CDs. And then suddenly it was the world of iPods. And then a little while later it was video iPods. And it's like, holy hell, I can be on my bunk on a tour bus or hotel or backstage wherever and I can watch <laughs> the West Wing on a tiny postage stamp size screen <laughs> but I, I I just put the earbuds in and I listened and I, I realized that I could this you know Aaron Sorkin dialogue and and having those sort of familiar voices it's a bit like that sensation of being a kid and your parents are having a party and you're not allowed down but you can hear them having that fun dance and you go oh there's people down there and it's, it's quite comforting. safe and I feel protected and I don't want to be part of it but I know that there's stuff going on and you just then you're gone so for me that's that's what I want I want a music life everything about me I want to feel like the kid who's asleep while there's a party going on downstairs I love that well this brings me on to my last question which is can you remember a lullaby or song that would send you to sleep as a child no I can't um, and the cl I, I can't because not because my parents didn't love me <laughs> um, uh, I think even though I, I think they were probably over children by the time I arrived my parents both had busy lives in the church and so they were often away in the evenings and I don't really I don't really recall having heard a lullaby and and maybe I'd have been too young anyway to, to really remember that but I do remember the sort of songs that I self-medicated with when as when I first became aware of, of music having that sort of power on me could put me in a certain space and we only had two pop records in the house really there weren't I don't know pop pop's probably not the right word but we had a Burl Ives record of of his American folk songs and we had uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water Simon and Garfunkel mm. so I would put on things like Only Living Boy in New York and I and that 
is a, still that song I put it on. When it gets to the middle eight bit and the voices and the reverb and it just becomes this lovely sort of melange of, of voices that... Um, I said melange there. I, like I, I just get put into that really safe, gentle space. So that's that's the closest I can think of as a lullaby that, that I used as a kid. And, and probably for that reason, it's one of my favourite songs of all time now. I'm with you on that song. My dad was a huge Paul Simon, Simon Garfunkel fan. So it's strange, isn't it, when you grow up with those particular songs that are kind of slightly out of time to the music that your peers were listening to. It sounds similar to me. Yeah. But, that, but there's, a, there's a magic in the world when you come back to them. It's that repetitive thing as well. You know every nuance of that kind of song, I guess. I think so. And I think when you when music enters your, your world and sort of speaks to you on, on a level that makes you sort of want to either replicate it or replicate the emotion that those things inspire in you, that you then start to go to school a little bit on, on songs. So even if they're songs that are just part of your inherited race memory, you kind of you dive back into them. And the songs that stay with you are the songs that keep evolving as you get older there's always something there and, and to have those songs that you very f- you first heard that sort of gave you that emotional reaction because most songs as a kid they say oh i can dance to this or i can smash stuff or i can do whatever but it's that thing that makes you go oh i don't know what to feel because ambivalence is not a thing that kids are good at but i remember thinking oh kind of this feels weird listening to this i quite like this <laughs> i don't know what this is and i don't know that it's sad and i don't know that it's happy but i also know that i don't really have a word for it and i I think that's stuck with me and the thing that I sort of steer by with my music I want to make stuff you don't quite know what it's supposed to make you feel Yeah, you you like things that don't tell you what to do I do <laughs> Oh God, you're good at this Like yeah. like beds, like beds Oh Tom, do you know I've I've come to the end of my questions and I've absolutely loved talking to you, thank you so much for being my guest I, I've learnt so much about you in all of these years <laughs> All I had to do to get to know my friend better was do a podcast with him. <laughs> well, yeah, and talk about sleep. Oh, There's a great idea, though, because it is, it's, we are very vulnerable and, and everyone knows how they sleep and wishes they slept better or differently. So I, it's, a, it's a good angle. I, I think it's smart. It's, you've done something intelligent for once, Kath. This is, this is <laughs> terrifying. I know. Catch me while I fall. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Tom McRae. Thank you. <laughs>